0: Turn with me, if you please would, to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10. So the scripture reading is going to be Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the hand. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out to the deep and let the nets down, or let your nets, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners and the other boats and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, crying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For For he and all who were with him were astonished by the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men.
1: You've heard of the great physician, perhaps, as a designation for Jesus. We don't hear much about him being called the great fisherman. Until now. Jesus is in the early months of his ministry, his short three-and-a-half-year ministry, and he is walking about Galilee at this time, and he comes down to the Sea of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and he's on the shore in the morning, evidently, after a, 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 an evening, an all-nighter spent fishing. Peter and the disciples are also there, and and he goes down to the seashore, and as he goes along, multitudes begin to gather to him. And can you picture that scene to where they're pressing about him? They want a front row to hear him speak, maybe even to, to, to touch him or, or to, to gain some favor. And as they're pressing against him, he finds himself getting closer to the water. And he, he sees an opportunity, but he's being pressed actually, literally, back toward the water and says, Simon... Uh, Let me get in your boat and push me out from from the coast here a few feet. And so, instead of that pulpit looking like a big square piece of wood like this, he's he's in a boat for a podium. And he begins to teach the people. His favorite thing to do, his favorite thing to do was to teach and to preach, and he did so masterfully. But he had been healing all who came to him, turning down no one. And they brought hordes of people to Him in Galilee. Wherever He went, the Word went before Him. And they'd bring the sick and those with diseases. Diseases that were acquired or that were were acquired from birth or or in recent years. Either one. and, And maladies. Even those who were possessed by demons. And He cast them out. And His fame went before Him. And so here He is with an opportunity in the morning... With these people and he wants to preach to them now do you remember what he was preaching he was preaching repentance for the remission of sins but don't forget he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins and his disciples were baptizing those who were coming to him much like the disciples of john were coming and were being baptized and those who were being baptized by jesus were starting to outnumber those who were being baptized by john and john said no this is good He must increase, I must decrease. And so he's on the boat and he's preaching a baptism for repentance, of repentance, for remission of sins. He's preaching about the kingdom of God and life in it. So he's talking about getting right with God. He's talking about living right with God. And he's also talking about a hope of life eternally with God as he talks about the Messiah, and the work that will be done to fulfill all righteousness at the cross. And he's giving hints of this early in his ministry. And people are, the question is begged. People are wondering, well, who is this Messiah? And so in time, Jesus starts to ask that question to his disciples. Who do the people say that I am? And they're getting all different kinds of answers, right? Some say John the Baptist, you know, some Elijah, Some one of the prophets. Uh, and, and he says, who do you say that I am? He wants them to know his identity as the Son of God. That's what he's teaching. That's the aim, is that they may know that he is the anointed one of God whom they've been waiting upon for thousands of years and that he's here. And they have, he has their respect. He has their respect. And I just love how When he finished speaking, he turned to Simon and he said, Launch the boat out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. He doesn't say let your nets down and give it a try either, does he? He says, let your nets down for a catch. And so Simon, getting in the boat with him, we know from the text, gets in the boat with him, goes out together with him, probably his brother with him or one of the other fishermen, And they let their nets down for a catch. Now, these were expert fishermen. These were men who made their living at this craft. A lot of us here like to think we're expert fishermen. And we may get a topographical map of a lake. We may know the depths of the lake, and we may find out where the best fishing holes are in that lake, At certain parts of the year, they're going to be different than other parts of the year, and we got all that figured out, and we think we're really good at it. And these men, no doubt, had the same kind of pride in their fishing. They're experts in this. They had been out all night, which is the best time to fish this lake. All night, they hit all their favorite holes and didn't catch a fish. Now, those of you who like to fish, probably know that feeling. If you say, no, I've never been out fishing and never caught a fish or lion, you know that feeling, especially when you're expecting to catch them. And and you just, you realize, I just can't predict, I can't, I can't go out and expect ever to catch fish. You realize how unpredictable it is. And Peter looks at him with a look that I guess I imagine it in my own mind, Master, you know, as if to say, I have the utmost respect for you, but you're not a fisherman. You're a spiritual man, you're you're my spiritual guide. I've been following you these months, and I respect you, so I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna cast my nets out into the deep. I'm gonna do that. And by his reaction, to what happened, you know that he didn't really expect to catch anything. He just had a great respect for Jesus. This non-fisherman told him to cast out his nets for a catch, and they caught so many fish in the nets that when they began to pull it up to the side of the boat, the nets began to tear and rip, and for fear of losing the catch they called to their partners on the shore, come up, bring the boat out, bring the boat out. And so they brought the boat out, and you can picture these two boats alongside each other, and they're grabbing fish and throwing them into the boat, and it just continues, and it continues. And the master, he's standing on the bow probably, watching this. And as they get closer to emptying the nets, a new problem arises. They realize the weight that was down in the nets in the water was so great that they, they looked and now their boats were becoming unsafe. Their boats were down below those safe levels of flotation and they're, they're starting to sink, it says. Now, I don't know if they were going down into the water or if it was just the fact that they were, they were so low to the water that, that they couldn't put any more fish in safely. But Peter at that point, he goes over and he falls before the Lord at his knees. And he makes that tremendous statement, when he saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Wow. Peter had obeyed Jesus' command out of respect, but he hadn't obeyed out of faith. And this is where I want to take you today. On a journey into your own heart, if you'll allow it, to see what's inside of there, to see if your reason for being here today and your reason for claiming Christ and laying hold of the Christian religion is because you have a respect for God and for Jesus, or if you have faith in Him. There's a difference. There's a difference. Anthony put it this way in his class this morning, so I'll borrow these words. Peter and his fellow fishermen saw the effects of the gospel. They saw the the, the effect of the power of Christ at work. But now they're starting to get the message. He fell at his feet and said, oh Lord. Isn't it funny how... (laughs) It had to hit home with Peter's own craft, with his own vocation, with his own life, like up close. He followed Jesus for months and went down into Judea with him and back and now they're, they're touring. He watched him heal. Up. He watched people's faces just in awe and he, he shone with them and he, and he overjoyed with them. and he said, "Wow, this is my master." But it wasn't until he did something that Peter understood couldn't be done except God do it, that it really captured him that this is the Son of God. And it caused him to fall down on his knees. Sometimes I think it might take that for us. This is why we've been teaching and preaching the truth That sometimes our own personal trials, struggles, sufferings are needful. And they may be from God. That we might come to understand more closely the need for intimacy with God. We may want to say, depart from me. But that's not what Jesus ends up saying. Peter confessed Him as Lord. He confessed Him. Oh, Lord, Master and Lord. That's what Peter ends up telling people in Acts chapter 2 when they say, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And the fisherman now catching men says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right before that, he said, God has made this Jesus both Lord and Savior, Master and Savior. And here he's, he's got a both Master, and it turned to, at the knees, oh my Lord, my Savior. He began to preach that later, but he got the message now. And the effects now in his own life are going to need to take place. The Lord acknowledged Peter's confession because He didn't discourage him for saying that. He didn't say, well, this isn't really a sin. Peter, don't be so hard on yourself. He acknowledged it in that He allowed that statement to be made and stand. I am a sinful man. Jesus left that statement untouched. You know why? Because it was true. Peter's faithlessness was a sin many times we think about the sins we commit and it and it vividly brings to our mind that we're sinners but sometimes those sins of omission for example a lack of faith is something that needs to be called to mind more often peter was acknowledging not only that the lord was christ but He was acknowledging his own lack of faith, his own ineptness to take this message that Christ is the Lamb of God, which John pointed him to at the Jordan, and to allow that to have its effect on his heart and to bring him to say, the master said, let's go let our nets down for a catch. Let's see how many we come up with. He hadn't made that transition of faith yet. Thank God. Our salvation does not depend upon us but upon Christ or upon our own righteousness but upon his. Amen. He might have ignored he might have ignored Peter's statement in that it was true, but he dealt with the statement depart from me. That he dealt with. Yes, Peter it's true that you're a sinful man. But I'm not going to depart from you. In fact, I'm going to put your fishing skills to work. This thing that you just saw, this lesson that you just learned, I'm going to teach you how to catch men with it. So, rather than confession and departure from God... God wants us to confess Him and draw into intimacy with Him so that we can take the message that we have learned and have believed and let its effects be known upon the world. It wasn't enough for Peter to just show him respect, the Lord wanted him to trust Him. Respect for the Lord's important, but it won't save you. And here's why. You'll respect Jesus as long as you agree with Him. But when you come into conflict, and you will with some of His teaching, and you disagree with Him, you won't respect Him. You'll find a way to justify yourself that you might disobey Him. That you might carry on in your own mind as doing a better in a more correct way. But if you have faith in Him, not just that He teaches well, but that He's the Son of God, you're going to obey Him, even though you may not understand why all these things. This is why it's important that Jesus wanted them to know that He was the Son of God, not just a great teacher. We're staking our faith upon His identity so that He truly maintains authority even when you don't like what He has to say to you. Because sooner or later we'll come to understand, likely so, we'll come to understand why. It comes through perseverance. It comes through endurance. It comes through life trials and experiences, most often, but we will come to understand, we never get to that point if you just respect Him because you think, you think, you think that this is just a great moral system. You think that this is something that perhaps is for, is for your own good life that you want to live here. Do you have faith in the Lordship of Jesus or just respect Him? How can I know? Let me, let me put a few examples out there for you to think about. Do you participate in worship service as you are now, but won't fight in the trenches alongside your brethren, taking up the inconveniences and the problems that other people might place upon you, taking upon those those burdens as your own, walking with people through their sinfulness, through their struggles, through their strife. Will you just will you just go to church or will you fight? Do you stir up trouble in the church more than you stir one another up to love and good works? Hebrews 10:25 See, we came here to worship God, but we came here to stir one another up to love God more and to together do good works. Which do you stir? couples are you christians because of appearances for your reputation's sake in the community do you attend a church of your choice or are you building your marriage upon it or are you trying to help each other get to heaven you see there's different levels different reasons Why, couples sometimes claim Christ as Savior. Parents, are you teaching your children to respect Jesus by making sure they look presentable for worship service? By discouraging and even disciplining them when they say things they ought not, when they do things they shouldn't, Jesus wouldn't be pleased are you teaching them respect for Jesus, or are you teaching, him to, teaching them to trust Him with their lives? There is a difference. There's a great big difference between respecting Him and trusting Him with your lives. Do you pray for help from God, knowing that He could do all things? but doubt that he'll do anything? Now that's a respect, that you would pray to God for help because he's so big and that he could could do something about this, but it's a lack of faith. James said you're double-minded if you think that he won't do anything. Are you so concerned about setting the right example as a Christian before your family, your neighbors, your friends? You're very concerned about doing the right thing, but maybe you're afraid to take risks to where choosing Christ might actually bring a breach in that relationship or at least an awkwardness that you'll have to face. Are you afraid to take risks? When your faith is put to the test before the world, how often do people see that Christ wins? in your life and in your decisions, that He comes out the victor, that that the world is overcome by faith, that that's the victory. How often do people see that when you make choices concerning your, your faith and your religious service? It may seem like I'm coming down pretty hard on some good folks. If that is the case, I hope that that the pricking of your heart brings you to an understanding of the need to fall at Jesus' knees. But in all fairness, and in my experience much of the time, not everyone who's disengaged from fighting the good fight, is is it simply because they're shallow or stubborn? Sometimes, Christians have thrown their nets into some water that's pretty cold. Sometimes, it may be you that you've attempted to serve your brethren, but it went unappreciated or maybe misunderstood. Maybe it turned into into a negative experience and your zeal was zapped and, and you were hurt by that and you're afraid to step out and make yourself vulnerable again. In your first experiences with sharing your faith, maybe your good intentions may have been misconstrued for narrow-mindedness or bigotry. Maybe it was misconstrued for arrogance or judgment. And so you just stopped speaking about your faith. In your personal battles with temptation, maybe you haven't gained an inch. And so you've tapered off from fighting and just resolved yourself to a safer place of, of victory. I go to church and I'm hoping that will carry me through. But, but I'm just not a good fighter. I just hope the Lord will count this for something. Something and you play a less public role in the army. And yet, and yet, in the morning, Jesus comes again and He says, go let your nets down in the deep. Go out into the deep and let your nets down. Take up your arms and go back into battle. I will not depart from you. I'm not leaving. In fact, I'm recruiting you even harder. Right now is the time for you to strengthen up, to put on this armor, to pick yourself up, to take risks, because people need you. You see, the Lord doesn't need much. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't need your money, and He doesn't need your, your, your fame. But there is something you can do for him. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their villages in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers." Are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Peter had no way of knowing at the time that his love for catching fish, for, for bringing them nets in full of fish, just, he just loved that fishing, that, that that would actually be overshadowed by the joy of watching someone be, become hooked. On the gospel message and change their life. Now, that he got addicted to because he himself was one who was caught by the truth of the power of Christ and came and fell before his knees. And he wanted nothing more than for other people to come to that realization. God wants our friends, our neighbors, to know who he is, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder how many people were watching from the shore still when the master said, launch out into the deep, let your nets down for a catch. How many stood there watching that scene and out on the lake, still visible, but out on the lake watching this this scene of, of, of turmoil and the other fishermen going out and just... Wow, look at that. And seeing a man go up to the Lord and fall down on his knees before Him. I wonder how many were affected by that. Now that was the conclusion to the sermon from the boat that the Lord wanted Peter to know and his fishermen friends and all the people on the shore. What a climatic dramatic conclusion to a sermon to see that fisherman fall down before the Lord. There are people that need to see us not just getting in the car and going to church, not just doing the easy things, but doing the hard things and making the decisions that cost us something so that they'll say, He must be the Son of God. He must be. Let's pray that the Lord would send laborers out into the harvest. And then I want to call you to respond to the message of the gospel that Jesus will save you from your sins upon the close of our prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are amazed as were these fishermen to even read of these stories. We we believe that these things happened, Lord. And yet, sometimes we do not allow them to convict our hearts and to convert our minds and our lives and to, to bring us to our knees. We still carry on as if these things are just great news stories in history, but that you're not the living Son of God. God, forgive our unfaithfulness. Help us to learn how to bow before You. And dear God, give us courage to step out on our faith and to show people the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our own lives. Father, I pray that if there are any here whose hearts are convicted and moved, that they would step forward in courage as well. And let their wish be known that they would like to become your child. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. My Lord, I